We are going to bring back Nine Lessons and Carols for Godless People, though it's never really been for godless people. It's just for people who uh, are non-dogmatic uh, or overly uh, tribal generally, uh, just kind of lightly tribal. They like a gathering, but they don't then believe that that particular gathering has to dominate the rest of their life. Uh, so we are going to do uh, a series of Nine Lessons and Carols uh, for godless people and Quakers and Unitarians and all the kind people. Uh, and that is going to be at the Conway Hall in London on December the 16th, 19th, 20th and 22nd. And you're going to be coming along, aren't you, Josie? I'm coming along on the 20th and 22nd. And we have a lot of guests as well who have already been announced. And if you just go to the Cosmic Shambles Network, you will see who those guests are. Yes, and the specific part of the site for that is cosmicshambles.com slash nine lessons, and that's nine spelt out, N-I-N-E, not the number nine lessons. And there you can get tickets for the shows and see all the guests that we've already announced, including Robin, Josie, Helen Chersky, Lucy Green, Matt Parker, Nikesh Shukla, Selena Godden, Grace Petrie, Holly McNish, uh, Bruce Hood, and lots more. So head there and you can check it all out and get tickets, and you can also find out about our new photography exhibition that's going to be opening on December 8th uh, at Conway Hall as well so you can have a look at it uh, when you're coming to the Nine Lessons show or just go and check it out uh, apart from that it'll be there from the 8th of December until uh, the end of January you can find out about that at cosmicshambles.com slash superheroes and that is a whole lot of the uh, the women of Cosmic Shambles uh, portraying their own versions of superheroes so that includes a uh, a lot of people I've already mentioned, Josie, Selena, Lucy, Helen, as well as uh, Katie Brand, Sophie Scott, the Trailblazers, and lots more. And on the site as well, there's accompanying films and stuff that goes with each uh, each superhero. So do check that out. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Josie and Robin's Film Shambles. Ooh. Yeah, we're changing it oh God, just for 20 minutes. Yeah, we're yeah, change yeah. It. You uh, said 15. Uh, yeah, but I know how malleable time is, Brian Cux told me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I think because we're moving slightly faster in the studio than the previous studio, so oh, therefore it's going to be 20 minutes. This makes because no sense if you know anything about relativity. It's out in space. We're yeah. in space, so time's moving quicker. This probably will be going out into space yeah. eventually, yeah. This, will out, this recording of us will outlive us. To the tune of centuries. Oh, yeah. I mean, I reckon, because I don't think I'm going to have a lucky day. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if it outlives me by next Tuesday. This is you done today. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be it. The uh, uh, Which is a pity, because tomorrow I'm meant to be reading uh, Tim Peake's book as an audio book. My first ever audio book <laughs> job. And you used to dress up as an astronaut, and I haven't. Yeah. How did that happen? Does it disturb you as much as it disturbs me how similar his name is to the show Twin Peaks? Because every oh. time I hear Tim Peaks, I think I hadn't Twin noticed Peaks. that, but yeah, now I'm going to do that now. Every time, That's, Twin yeah. Peaks. But, <laughs> so, so what's that, Tim? Sometimes your arm's bending back. No, it really is bending back. <laughs> There's something wrong. There's something wrong on the ISS. Um, we are joined by uh, the uh, screenwriter, uh, comedian, and broadcaster um, Will Smith. Hello. Who I I first, know what you've got there. I have. <laughs> This Will Smith and I have known other since what, 1994? Would it have oh, been yeah, the first yeah, time yeah, 94, I think, yeah. And uh, Will and I both had, and probably still have, uh, a great love of films that in many ways shouldn't be made, but are actually better than many that have had a lot yeah, more thinking you, about You them. gave me, uh, I think you gave me the Hawk the Slayer poster that I've had framed, but also Sword, Sword and the Sorcerer, the Sorcerer, you gave me that poster. Hawk the Slayer. Hawk the Slayer, yeah. Which yeah. is a great soundtrack. 
Yes. So I we used to share, you know, swap. I think I've still got your VHS copy of Michael Winner's Bullseye. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get it back. That is amazing. It is. It is. They have a voiceover on that. Michael Caine does a voiceover to explain what's going on. And it, within the voiceover, he goes, even I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of it, written it's, into it is the fact that it makes no sense. Because they play him and Roger Moore playing the twins at one point. Yeah. Or the, and it's two just, of you, them are in prison. I forget who I am here. Two of them it's, are nuclear scientists. It's amazing. And one of the four of them is a great darts player. But that doesn't really come into it most of the time, but is useful for one scene. Yeah. And then it ends, as Michael Winner's later films did in kind of the uh, a freeze frame of people laughing much like Chris Rear's parting <laughs> shots which well, is yeah. a Michael Winner film or the end of Naked Gun that kind of yeah is it that except not a it's joke but doing it really like a, yeah, properly yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think it ends with Michael Caine throwing a dart in a pub I think uh, oh yeah Roger he does Moore's he says bullseye doesn't he that's mm. the end it's like how it's the, I mean, I, you, you like can't, I can't. Death Wish 2, where Charles Bronson, right at the end, suddenly goes, Death Wish! <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, I can't believe anyone signed up to that film having read the script. And then I think maybe there wasn't a script. And then they were just like, how do we end this? And it was like, oh, it's a dark bull's like, ah. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, but it's amazing. It's a great. It's you... a fun. It's a great bad film. It is actually a fun watch. Because don't they go to the Highland Games and they've got cl- clearly got library footage of the Highland Games? It's like the film stock is totally different yeah. colours, and <laughs> and then it cuts to them supposedly at the Highland Games in a corner of it, and you think no, it's just a field. Some you're not in Scotland, the lights different. It's and then there's a child who plays a mafia boss who is dubbed with a deep voice. I remember that. And then the scenes like at one oh, point, God. Michael Caine cycles to the top of a hill. But unfortunately, takes his feet off the pedals when he gets to the top and, and goes, goes all the way, way back, back down again. Like you do. Yeah. You know that it's thing not... where you go, just put your feet on the ground and use the brakes. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. Also, what he cycled backwards down the hill. Well, no, he cycled goes... up the hill and then suddenly goes, Whoa! Whoa! Yeah. going back down it again. Bullseye! Oh. Not yet. Not yet. I... No, but I want it to end. <laughs> just keep saying bullseye. <laughs> bullseye would be a good way to end things. Yeah. Like anything. Just, I'm afraid bullseye now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk any more about this film you haven't seen. Fair enough. Bullseye. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. I'm, I'm really enjoying because what, as far as I'm concerned, this film doesn't exist, and you're just adding new bits to it. <laughs> it's like a mythical film. It's yes. Could, yeah. Superposition. That's of it. Great. it both definitely exists inside the unmarked VHS box, and it doesn't exist yes. until yeah. So it's... you've got these two VHSs here that I'm holding, like ancient mm. relics. One of them is called Magic Sticks. Yeah. It's got a sticker on it saying it did once cost two pounds. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to read the back. That's probably the rental price, yeah. actually. Not, that's not even to buy. <laughs> that would have been to... Two pounds for two nights. Yeah. Wow. You better watch it as much as you can over those nights. Um, this is the back of this film. I don't know if this is going to remind you of it. Felix is an out-of-work New York rock drummer. But life takes an unexpected turn when Felix picks up a new pair of drumsticks, which make people spontaneously dance to his beat. In the uproaring events that follow, his dream girl, Shirley, brackets Curtis, falls in love with him, only to be kidnapped by gangsters wanting Felix's drumming to help them rob the famous store (laughs) Tiffany's. Can Felix (laughs) rescue Shirley and still get to his gig on time? Magic Stick stars George Kranz, Kelly Curtis, brackets Trading Places, and the jazz musician Chico Hamilton. Like, okay. The the magic drumsticks mm-hmm. element is more plausible than the gangster kidnap <laughs> element. This was a time I don't think it's ever 80s. explained either, is it? That, no. And as, as also as remember, it's actually quite dull. It's, it sounds like it's going to be crazy and just mad and fun and silly, and it's just quite. 
Somber, I seem to remember. Cause... <gasps> That's like Married to the Mob. Ah, I remember oh, my mum. Hang mom... on, that is not a bad film. Well, my mum... Jonathan re... Demi's just died. Jesus Christ, Josie. Well, <laughs> my mum rented that when I was about six or seven. And I remember seeing this and, oh, this is a comedy. But I think it just went completely above mm. my head. And so I th- remember watching it being like... This is so boring and serious. <laughs> Why? Oh, no, I would agree. It's definitely not an eight. And I'm a little bit appalled because your mum would have known that was a certificate 15. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, as I have told you before, I was allowed to watch any horror film I wanted, but nothing with sex in it. Which, in retrospect, was more damaging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's like the old... Lenny Bruce routine, where Lenny Bruce oh, would yeah, talk yeah. about the fact that, you know... On the, the news? The, yeah, well, well, just that you, you were not anything sexual. You know, sex films were considered to be more evil than all these films with guns, with people shooting, mm. and the only weapon you're going to see in, uh, you know, in a stag movie is a pillow, and that's just going to be placed under someone's arse. You know, <laughs> that's it. And, that's, uh, and that is... Um, I was reading, there's a, there's a good book called, or, or a series, I think about three volumes, this thing called Rapid Eye, with lots of interviews with you know, oh, odd yeah. people and articles about Carlos Castaneda and his ridiculous ideas of the pretend meeting a um, Native American. Who, anyway, but um, there was an interview <laughs> with Paul Mayersberg, who was the screenwriter for Man Who Fell to Earth. And he talks about the similar thing. He said, you know, in, in, in Japan, where the, their kind of relationship with, with mm. sex and our relationship, again, with violence is far more acceptable. Violence, horror, possession, mauling, disembowelment. Mm. That's all fine. Yeah. It's just mm. a bit of fun. It's like we've still got that, the fall from the Garden of Eden going on. Oh, wow. And Alan yeah. Bates there. Uh, not Alan Bates, uh, Simon Bates. As the uh, that would have been good. Simon what, Bates and Oliver you rent Reed or buy wrestling video. naked while warning us about <laughs> renting. Simon Bates, whenever you rent or buy a video, yeah, you've got to be sure that... it's suitable for the people who are watching. Oh yes, he did do that. I can really like yeah. I'll never forget the tone his, of it. Was his whenever face on screen as well? It was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had a sort of toadish quality to him yeah. as a man. Yeah. But this is also I was about eight, so this to me was like an ancient, mm. disgusting. Mm personage who now I'd be like oh he looks alright yeah. even though weirdly I'd... enough I think you'd be less likely to think that due to the track record of Radio 1 DJs over the last that, oh that my god the, yeah, you think actually, he's, he, was all right. he, he hasn't got into any trouble no but there is that thing where you go there was a point where who are the most reliable people to give us moral guidance before a certificate 15 film we should choose someone who's done the Radio 1 Roadshow <laughs> these people are Respect- they morally... work with kids all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> suspiciously all the time Whenever you rent or buy, I've a got video. his. I've just remember, I've got his autobiography somewhere. Simon Bates, my story. Oh yeah, it's not a good autobiography, is it? Because every time he gets any interesting stories, he goes, "I better not tell you who these people are." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you go, "Oh right, so it's just some strangers then." Yeah. Also, call your autobiography Bates Motel or like yeah. Master Bates. Like, don't <laughs> call it my story. That was like, yeah, um, Ed Stupot, Ed, Ed Stupot Stewart's book. Uh, out of the stew pot. Nice. Is, is oh, actually that's good. Old, I like that. But that's, I think, in a smaller font than the fact that it then says uh, my story. So you go, oh, I think, oh, it's not a collection of recipes. He's <laughs> making it very clear this is not. Ed hasn't branched out into dystopian science fiction. Yeah. This one will be dealing with his story. But Bates wasn't it because of our story, wasn't it? Wasn't it the phone? The, yeah. the, 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 the our tune. Story. Yeah. Our tune. That's it. Well, he should have yeah. called it. Oh, my maybe, tune. maybe it was my tune. Maybe it was my tune. Actually, tune, yeah. you're right. Okay. You're right. It was a terrible title. Because if that not, was me giving it the wrong title. Absolutely. I'm sure. My tune. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. Um, 
So Wait, magic I've... sticks, and then the other one mm-hmm. we've it's got called is... Alien. It, you now, what happened here mm-hmm. is the people could, yes. involved in this had a very good business brain, and they said, "What are people? What films have been successful? Yeah. And how can we capitalize on that?" So this film is called Alien Terminator. Yeah. So they really got, and, and they... then in the back it says. In an action-packed adventure in the tradition of the Terminator, <laughs> with the added Which ingredients, is isn't it? it's a very long tradition. It's one of the, the great yeah, storytelling ever since traditions. 1984. Like, like the passion plays sure. of medieval times. Sure. Traveling robots. Yeah, yeah, the Terminator tradition. With the added ingredients of Aztec treasures. Buried spaceships, CIA, KGB, and alien invaders, which you'll Chuck know is in. all of the different zones on Crystal Maze. <laughs> all of them. So it's basically, and then the review they've got is said. Full marks for originality for a storyline that manages to incorporate the KGB, CIA, aliens from outer space, Indiana Jones, and the Terminator. Like, how did they get away with it? Like, not be as good as any of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's a lot better than the Magic Stick. It's, mo- it's more entertaining because because the man is because the thing of the Terminator is that Arnold Schwarzenegger gives a brilliant performance. He just he is fantastic in that. This guy does not move like a robot. I mean, he was a Franco Nero was a well-known actor. Yeah. In, the, mm-hmm. in the 1960s, 1970s. Is he, he's in it, George Kennedy. He, he, he's, he's, he's the uh, is, he's the is he the alien Terminator? No, he's oh not, no, he's, no, he's not. not. He's a moustache resistance detective. leader, I think, or something. And then it and they just have on the back a kind of collage of quite badly taken publicity stills. Yeah. So you've got a picture of George Kennedy, who's an Oscar-winning actor and was a great actor, yeah. but played oh, in yeah. many, many different things, and then later on in things like the airport films. So and and a, he was in Naked Gun. Yeah, he's a brilliant. Yeah. I mean, a brilliant comic actor as well as being a great genre actor, great character actor. I mean, he's a great actor. And then they unfortunately have so they've got one picture of Franco Nero holding a jacket, one picture of George Kennedy in a hat. Already you're going. I like hats. I like jackets being held. This but, does look yeah. like the kind of Alien Terminator yeah. film we want. One picture of a large man holding up someone who appears to be dressed as a South American general. Mm-hmm. And then one picture of the Alien Terminator just kind of melting and his eye falling out. Yeah, but it's, it's clearly gives stuck away on the eye. Yeah, yeah, but it's also the, like the effects, like again with the Terminator, when you see the metal showing from beneath, it genuinely looks like, uh, you know, there's a, a robot exoskeleton under there. Whereas with that, that's he's just stuck some plasticine yeah, on his face. Yeah, it's so glued on yeah. to the front of his. I know, and it's. it's it looks like a really sad remake of the Phantom. So Thank you. Can now have them back. <laughs> That's back. lovely. Now, now have you we'll... got Lion Man. I must have done Lion Man somewhere. That's... What's Lion no, Man? That one wasn't. You didn't lend that one to me. Oh, okay, Lion Man's great. It's a, like um, like a Turkish Conan the Barbarian. No, but no. Oh, that's great. See, but this is what what we for for because now what is quite fun is with websites like uh, Shudder, which is like a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, thing which you you subscribe to. It's like, yeah, they're all about five a month. Yeah, and you go Shudder has lots of weird things on it. Uh, some of them are cheap weird films. Some of them are like Hammer classic films. But some, is it is it the sort of where you'd find the sort of straight to video? It's where you find, of, but of not, most of them are better than that. Mm. Uh, and then you've got the BFI website, so you, but, but, which has got lots of art house stuff mm. and weird old documentaries. But it's also got on it things like uh, the um, Jean Rolland, uh, all his weird uh, 1970s French vampire films. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> now th- those things that were so alluring to us. Because we are of the generation, unlike you, Jesse, where we will remember the going, a video shop's opened. Yeah, it's going to be a video shop, and it's only a hundred pounds to <laughs> buy it. A like hundred pound membership a month, yeah, and then seventeen pounds to rent out a video. Yeah. These kind of things. Really? And you would, no, well, it no. was they when they first started. They had lots of weird ways of charging a fortune, and you would go in and you would go, oh, they've got the film Mad Max. Yeah, they and only had about eight films to start with. They had yeah. Flash Gordon, Mad Max, and Monster Club. Yeah, 
Club I remember was my first video shops. There was a video shop in Alpington. I like. I remember sort of the display and then mm. the ones behind. So you'd think it yeah. was there and then they they Never would already in. be out. Like, yeah, because oh, that's the thing as well. Unbearable. They only like three copies or something. Mm. They used to stack oh. But it was amazing. It. It's like, my God, a, a film in my home. I mean, I know we had TV, but it was like the idea of something from the cinema that you could... Yeah, what my, was I remember thing? my dad buying a VHS and that mm. being a, big a thing. game changer. Yeah. Household-wise, massively so. And him taping Nightmare on Elm Street off of the television and then saying we weren't allowed to watch it. So obviously like the second <laughs> went out, like first Well, that was in. this moment of, because I don't know now what the versions are of things that are so taboo that, because uh, I was thinking when Toby Hooper died, uh, well, when mm. we were recording this, it was about a week ago. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was totally unavailable to us when we were growing yeah. up. And now... I've never seen it. A, it is yeah. a... It still works. It is, is still... It disturbing? Yeah. It's yeah. still it's a very disturbing film. Yeah. In fact, um, Robert Forster, who we had on uh, yesterday from The Go-Betweens, uh, in his book, he talks about the fact that they got a VHS and they rented out Texas Chainsaw Massacre, watched half an hour and went, we're not watching it anymore, <laughs> and, and took it back. And it is... There is something about it. There is... The, the moments of violence... Because there's very little blood or gore and apparently someone said the reason was, I don't know how true this is, but they said they were hoping they'd get a PG. Because <laughs> they thought, if we don't show blood and guts, but it just has these moments where suddenly Leatherface just appears, coshes someone on the head with a hammer and just drags them away and then a door closes. Oh. So, so much of it it's is, off, script, but it's, is yeah. off screen. And yeah. so much, it's so dark. Mm. And yeah, it's... it's uh, and. Those moments where someone would come into school and they would say, oh, "You won't believe it, right? I've I've heard a friend of mine, uh, and he's got a friend of his who's, who's Dutch, and they've got a VHS, <laughs> it was it's one eighty, it? and it's got a Clockwork Orange on it, and it's got Texas Chainsaw Massacre." And then you would go and watch it, and it was almost entirely just snow because yeah. it had been retaped so many times that it was just a blizzard mm. with occasional hints of cannibalism. Um, you know, these I I don't know now what the taboo bits of culture are. Exorcist again, of course, was totally unavailable to us when, we, when yeah. we were growing up. It was only available, I think, in the 90s. I don't know. I remember when I was about 10 or 11, there was a video that Amnesty International made of executions. It's like a video of people being I'm executed. not sure that was Amnesty International. Yeah, <laughs> now I say it, it doesn't that, seem... That, that video, Executions, was... That was in this grand tradition of things. There used to be these films called things like Faces of Death and then Traces of Death, and it started in the 1960s. I forget the term that's given, but they were supposedly, you know, real films of real horror, of yeah. things that happened, and it would be a series of collections of some people doing a badly done tribal dance that is clearly being done for tourists who've just arrived in Hawaii, uh, some shots of a tiger walking, then one scene where a snake would swallow a rat, and then some bits that were meant to be cannibalism and someone having their brain eaten that actually is quite clearly a special effect. But these were, and executions was them, because there was that and there was one about people beating up homeless people or something, wasn't there? Bum fight. Yeah, that was the thing like where people. There was videos where people used to pay. It was disgusting. We used to pay homeless people to fight each other and film it. And oh, humans, we don't God, deserve to survive, do we? <laughs> well, I wonder what happened to the people who set that up. Like, what are they doing? Because they must be. They got very rich, now? I think. Like, oh, sadly, God. I think. But how old are they now? What now they, they must be thirties, forties now. Yeah, I mean. Well, because Executions was a, it was meant to be. So it wasn't we real. need to show you how. No, Executions, yes. I think, was real. It was supposed I to be a cautionary example for yeah. people to make them realise how terrible the death penalty was. But, like, when you're eight or nine, yeah. you're just like, whoa, what it, whoa. You know, yeah. it's just awful, but you're kind of obsessed with death and things like that. So you sort of. Mm. But it's also kind of 
watershed because you actually don't you shouldn't see things like that what was the movie i'll start with you Will. what was the the because when, when i was growing up and i used to read things like house of hammer magazine mm. and then starburst things like that and, and, yes. it, and you would see these you know film reviews where there would just be three stills, stills yeah. which of course you didn't realize were actually taken on set but not really from the film yeah. It's like the stills you get outside the cinema. Like yeah. You get the poster and the stills, whereas yeah. now you can watch the trailer on your phone and it's, you know, you get all that. And with us, it was just, you'd have like a series of images and you'd be like, oh my God, that looks amazing. And you'd see the trailer in the cinema maybe, but... But that's the weird thing, lobby cards. And there's mm, a beautiful scene in, in, in Truffaut's, uh, it's 400 Blows, isn't it, where he's, it's about the, the, mm. the uh, young guy who will grow up eventually to be a filmmaker. I think it's in that, or it might be in Day for Night, where he, I think it's Day for Night, where he has a little memory of going past the cinema and they've put up the kind of metal uh, yeah. gate, but there's a, a front of house still of Citizen Kane that's fallen out of the frame and he gets a stick and he manages to see you know. it. But yeah. what was fascinating about those was that they were... Um, they were normally really bad. So you go, and all the shots stagey. for Star Trek would just be, oh, good, this one's on got the bridge. Kirk sitting yeah. on a chair. <laughs> and, then, and then and the Godfather, you go, oh, good, there'll definitely be conversations in this. I suppose There's going to be four conversations at least. They couldn't film. get stills of special effects in the way they can do it now, maybe. Or mm. I, I don't know. Anyway, you were going to ask me what no, the first film... No, I was going to say film... that those, those moments where you've waited, because Squirm, which was recently re-released by Arrow, which is all about there's been a thunderstorm okay. and then suddenly there's a huge Slugs? flood. Of, no, this one's oh. earthworms. Earthworms, right. Uh, and the image of the guy in a sea of earthworms with ah. some of the worms that had burrowed into his ah. face sinking into the sea. That, I waited 30, probably 34 years <laughs> from the first time I saw it in the House of Hammer magazine to finally, there it is on was, Arrow was DVD. No, no, it was. <laughs> it had a lot less... You know, enormous tsunamis of worms and mm. a lot more jeopardy in rooms with occasional worms. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wonder what what for you is that for that that film where you've waited and you've gone, oh my god, it's available now. When I was nine, I had imagined that scene by scene. What will it truly be like? Oh god, well it was. I mean, all of the all of the big ones. I mean, it was all the Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Time Bandits, and it was all those. But you saw got... all those quite quickly, though, didn't you? Yeah, but I still it was still the anticipation of that. I mean, that, that's what I find really interesting now is like because for us, you know, the sort of limited trailers and you, and when you saw the film, that was it. Maybe it'd be on TV in two years or VHS in a year or whatever. So you kind of you'd be, it'd be such an intense experience going to the cinema. You'd be trying to sort of memorize as much as possible, much of it as possible. It would just sort of you try and download it into your mind. I think. Whereas when I take my kids to the cinema now, I mean, they really enjoy it, but they sort of come out and they're like, "Oh, that was good. Can, can we get it get it on the TV next month?" They they kind of know they can have it straight away. It's not like that it yeah. doesn't it's not got the same level of intensity and they, and they know that you know there's about 20 films that are quite like that one they could also watch whereas for us there would only be a handful of kind of like a you know like fighting fantasy films if you're into that or kind of sci-fi films you know so it was kind of much more focused but was there nothing that you remember seeing in one of those old film magazines and then you've waited and oh, Blade Runner was was one I remember getting a like an article about that and seeing the, the images because I just loved Harrison Ford from you know, Star Wars and Raiders. Was, but was Blade Runner after Raiders? It was around the same time, wasn't it? What and Hanover Square, obviously. Yeah, Hanover Square. It was a great film, Hanover Square. Plumber and Ford. What year was Blade Runner? That would have been... Raiders was 81. It's 83. Oh, so it was after... Yeah, okay, so I, I was in my full Harrison Ford love. And so I remember getting... And I've still got it somewhere, of course, being a pathetic archivist of uh, some sci-fi magazine that's got a feature on it. And did I the, give you the poster the, magazine of that one as well? No, can I have it? No, I, did, <laughs> I did give you the poster of the complete Star Wars poster magazine articles think, magazine. Yeah, I have up. a storage unit of stuff that I think, what am I going to do with this? Because basically my kids are just going oh, to go through it and throw eventually. it out. Don't throw it <laughs> eventually. out. No, I know, but... That, that, that was They're not going to appreciate it. To keep 
Yeah, but, okay. But uh, definitely loaned if you're going to throw it away or it's going to No, I'm going to throw it away. Or, no, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm just saying my kids are going to throw it away. Because <laughs> when they go, what's he got in here? I don't care. If there's <laughs> any genetic link in the person who throws it away to you, you're in trouble. <laughs> I, you were going to say something. Uh, I recently watched The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. <gasps> Do you remember that? Mm. I saw it when I was a child. Oh, I never saw it. I love the title. I've always loved the title. It, what, what is it? Oh, see, it's about... Okay, well, so when I was a child, I and this is, I think, what it's supposed to be about. It's about these two girls who are their cousins and the um, parents of... One of them staying with the other because I think she's an orphan and they live in this massive stately home and the parents go away and I think the parents are in an accident but mm. I actually think they don't die but they, they, this governess comes in, the governess, and she's there with uh, Mel... Uh, Mel Smith, <laughs> I think. Is her is her like fr- yes, anyway? Is, yeah. Basically, it's an evil governess who's trying to steal okay. their fortune and sends them to the workhouse. Yeah. Right. So, uh, as a child, I remember how terrifying this was and how exciting it was because there were wolves and mm. they were like running in the snow and trying to get away from them and trying to beat this terrifying governess. And they're in the workhouse and the workhouse is very dangerous and it's also awful. And and I was really excited about watching it again because I remembered <laughs> the horror of it and, yeah. and how much I'd loved the girls. <laughs> anyway, and... I watched it again and my class prejudices prohibited my enjoyment. So yeah. I was just like, well, the governess is right. Fuck those rich kids. How dare they? <laughs> How fucking dare they are? Get them out, governor. You treat yourself, governess. Your life's hard enough. And like, I just I, found that I had no sympathy. How was the sort of pacing and the suspense? Did that? The it things was that scared so much you? more creaky. Like, I know. It's it funny, so isn't it? Now you, like, if I, you'll get this. If you watch the car chase from Condor Man, which you know, when I was eight or nine or whatever, I thought it was the most amazing thing. You know, did I give you my Condor lorry. Man badge? Uh, oh no! <laughs> oh okay, I'm going to give you some more tat. This is like you're eight years old. Yeah, I know, and I love it. But it's not a great. Well, I used to write to film distributors. You see, you would write, and oh. you would go, um, "Do you ah. rank film distributors? I am uh, doing a school project on films. Can I have free posters and everything?" <laughs> and, and some of them would send stuff. That's why I gave you some wild geese stuff. I'm pretty certain I gave you a ten by eight of Roger yeah, 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 with the cigar. cigar. Yes, I got yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, yeah. And I'm a very generous this is like friend. Simon, my my friend who worked in film would always keep all of the promotional gubbins right so he's got like three exercise balls from the film the rebound and he's got like <laughs> men in black three black trading uh black playing cards that are entirely black with embossed oh, things on i love you name it he's got it but i love memorabilia from films that aren't that great oh yeah that, that are not going to get much on ebay like i remember seeing somebody in a mary riley crew jacket and i just thought that's hilarious it's, it's and, like a film that people would have to probably google to sort of oh yeah that the julia roberts frankenstein sort he's of. got an, <laughs> a hope springs magnet perfect with perfect. a woman and it says now the only thing to polish off is the gin <laughs> which doesn't make any sense <laughs> because you don't polish off no it's supposed to mean the only thing left to polish it, 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 the only uh, thing left to clean is the gin. Like the I, joke I think, is supposed were, to be that, but but were they hoping that was going to catch on as a catchphrase? Oh yeah, it, like it, I've like, polished that'll be like every... the, the, the forces with you. That'll be like that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone See, I've say got. I, I can give you one of these. I've got at least three uh, full-size posters for Cannonball's film *Boys in Blue*, co-starring John Pertwee. That's a hard. And watch. I think the last uh, Why is it film hard? directed by Val Guest, who directed oh. *Day the Earth Caught Fire*, and Did and, it? and it was like, every time I wrote to rank, hoping I'd get stuff. From oh. you know, well, films like the Wild the good Geese, stuff, yeah. Uh, I would get. I have a seven-inch single somewhere of the theme tune to the Boys in Blue. 
Wow. We are the boys in blue. That's fantastic. But that's like when I got to visit Sub Pop and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm in Sub Pop. This is glorious. And they said, oh, look, we've got this um, cupboard where we've got loads of promos and old T-shirts. You can take anything you want. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. And then I was like, I- I've never heard of any, any of this. <laughs> Where's the Nirvana rarities that I assumed would be here? And I took a T-shirt for a band called either Grind Archives or Grand Archives. Right. I can't, I don't know mm. because the vowel is a skull. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be Grand so Archives. A, yeah, yeah, it's circular, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but. So thick, unless it's a very thin skull. Could be skull. Like, hey, yeah, it could be. Is it, is it, is it, it's skull, the whole skull. Yeah. Oh, that would snow water, Like yeah. five. Castle yeah. Grey Skull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got a very rare He-Man T-shirt. <laughs> but I, again, like I've been wearing it for years, but uh, no that man could are. be white supremacist for all I know. And I'm just sub pop signed quite a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I was hoping. Um, We've run out of time already. I mean, oh. Now we're going to do book shambles. So this was just a little experiment. We thought because oh, I found these VHS yeah, of copies of, of Wheels, and I would love to talk more about both of us are enormous fans of the Wild Geese uh, films. Um, it's a good but, segue. This is anyway. So this is uh, this was just a little extra. We will if you liked us rambling on about VHS things and stuff and getting overly excited because I haven't seen Will for a very long time. Uh, then uh, we'll probably do this again in some form. Come to my storage unit. Yeah, come, 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 come to the <laughs> storage like unit. Go to the VHS that I built through my Condor Man and Boys in Blue generosity. Uh, Could you just quickly summarise the plot of Boys in Blue? Boys in Blue is basically a remake of Will Hayes' film uh, Ask a oh. Policeman. Okay. Uh, and Val Guest was also involved in that as well. Val Guest was an incredible... He was one of these, you know... Uh, there are many British film directors who... They just kept going, and in the 70s and 80s in particular, the British film industry, you know, the early 80s, uh, it was in the doldrums. And um, and a lot of those people, people like Val Guest, who wrote quite an interesting book as well about making all these films, and then they also worked in things like The Avengers and a lot of ITC TV shows. But... Uh, um, so yeah, it's just basically Cannon and Ball are some two policemen theft, who it? get into trouble because there's some local people who. It's a little bit similar, I suppose, to the comic strip presents the Supergrass, which is another film that is not shown at the National Film Theatre <laughs> as much as you might imagine. Though I like, I like, how many times have I watched Supergrass because mm. it was the comic strip. But anyway, we were so Boys in Blue. It's them uh, as I, policemen. I think there's a stolen painting, and I, I, it's it's neither. It, it, it's not. It's not a good bad watch. No, there's John. Pert- I think, I think Jack be... Douglas is in it as well. Probably Suzanne Danielle. Yeah, is in Suzanne Danielle, who was best known eventually for this. Is I suppose she was known because she eventually started to impersonate Princess Diana. They would have her in the early eighties in things being Princess Diana, and also I believe dated, if not married, Patrick Moa. Uh, oh yeah. Who's Patrick Moa? Exactly. This is the kind of reason that this... <laughs> no, tell me who Patrick... Patrick you... Moa is, a I great think, actor. still in Emmerdale. Okay. But he, he used was, to play sort of dastardly villains. Yeah, was, and also just tough Callan. guys. Callan, wasn't he? In Callan, yeah, the yeah, he was film in Callan. The TV series. He's in, he's in the, the movie TV of Callan. series of, of oh, okay. Callan. And uh, the kind of guy who, a little bit like Nicky Henson, uh, three oh, yeah. runs undone on the oh, shirt. He's, he's quite great. a nice, uh, like, just a little, you know, bit of jewellery, not too much jewellery, obviously. And uh, you could almost smell the blue Stratos coming off the screen. Blue Stratos was a popular aftershave that was overly strong. Anyway. I mean, what this what this is is an introduction to the sixties and seventies. Well, um, this yeah, it's fascinating to me. It's it's we'll do one where which which covers more of. Uh, no, no, I prefer this because this is learning. This is more. It's not learning that's required. 
Yeah. This is basically <laughs> what we've done. We've replicated some of the car journeys that Will and I had yeah. when we were driving back from Petersfield or something like that <laughs> after doing a gig for 20 quid. Um, and now what we should say is on the book shambles version, which you may have heard already, Will, we are going to talk about the fact that Will now, he no longer does stand-up comedy uh, and uh, he's a tremendously successful writer and has recently written the screenplay to uh, the next Paddington film. Uh, well, no, I helped out a little bit. On no, it. I thought you wrote quite a lot of it. No, 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 no. It's it's Paul King and Simon Farnaby. Oh, is it? And I did some... Simon Farnaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, they yeah. they've written the film, and I, I've just done some. Uh, well, days we're, we're, we're going to do an interview with the screenwriter uh, Will Smith, uh, who wrote all of the sequel. He definitely <laughs> told me he'd written the whole. <laughs> that's what he's telling everyone. Yeah. That's what you say. That's, well, what I, that's what I tell everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, no, and lo- lots of people have done sort of you know passes and. Because you did the it, first one as well, Simon. when you pop up in the first panel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well. I've got a small you, cameo. You, but yeah, but I, I did some writing on yeah. it as well, yeah. That was uh, Josie and Robin's uh, film shambles. I highly recommend the website uh, Shudder. And also, there's a very good piece by uh, Peter Laws in the last couple of 14 times, uh, probably the S- September and October, which will lead you in some of the bigger kind of things like Netflix and Amazon to find the more intriguing films that you don't realise they've actually mm. had there because they're never going to be on the first 50 pages yeah. of recommended films. Films like Let's Scare Jessica to death. Now there is a title. Oh yes, I know that film. I've seen most of it. Yes, uh, there is a very very good horror film which is called. Uh, oh, it's it's an Iranian. I would love that film. if that was the title. It's called. Uh, oh, there is a film called Igar. I think it's called Richard beneath, Keel as a caveman. It might be called Beneath the Veil, but I feel like that's too on the nose. Mm. It's called like something to do with beneath or under something, and it's an Iranian film, and it's about kind of the trauma of the Iran-Iraq War. Um, but it's very, it's like the Babadook, but an Iranian film, like it's similar in that Mm. respect. And it's about kind of evil spirits and stuff like that. And psychological kind of disturbance. What's that one? Under the Shadow, is it? Yes, it's Under the Shadow. (gasps) Oh, you Googled it. And there's also, what's that great film? A Girl Walks Home at Night. Alone at Night. Oh my God. Now, if we're going to talk about this. straight away. It's amazing. It's uh, it's made by an Iranian-American director who I love and I can't remember her name and it's so great. Let me see if I can remember it. Hang on, give me a moment. it's (laughs) It's, what's so good about it is I, you feel as a woman, you really feel the fact that it's written and directed by a woman in this sort of imperceptible way. Like I couldn't really put mm. put a finger on it, but it feels it, and it's thrilling and it's interesting. And it's about like in it, she's this vampire monster who's kind of wearing like a full burqa. Uh, no, she's not wearing a burqa. Sorry, she's wearing. Um, Hijab? That no, it's the one that's a, the name is, is that Anna Lily. There you go. Uh, yes, oh, Anna Lily Armapur, yeah. who's uh, an American Iranian. Um, but it's the I'm so sorry, I can't remember the name, but it's like the stipulated religious dress of Iran for women, which is kind mm. of a specific cloak that's uh, hinged at the neck, and it's sort of talking in some terms about that but it's not like explicitly a political film so much as like this beautiful art house exploration horror story and there's an incredible like breathtaking sequence to this one particular white lies song anyway i love it i think alone a girl walks home alone at night okay and it's kind of implicitly talks about kind of like control and feminist things but not so much it's also like a a western vampire movie 
It's that's great. Really good. I'm not. I'm not great with horror. So I get I'll scared, try the one which is Jim Jarmusch's movie with Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston, and John Hurt. That's a oh, great another reinvention one, yeah. of uh, yeah. um, the vampire movie, where John Hurt is Christopher Marlowe, as far as I remember. I think I love he's Christopher vamp- Marlowe. The vampire Christopher Marlowe. All the late John Hurt. I, I went around the Doctor Who experience the other day with my son, and uh, every time the two things. You know, when you suddenly you reached at the age where our childhood, our past, people who meant something to us mm-hmm. culturally, when you see them, those who've died, it has a great a yeah. kick, and you suddenly go, oh, man, the emotion is... is yeah. I think you know that does come also with middle age and parenting and all those yes. things. But when we were at the Doctor Who experience, when I saw images of John Hurt as the war doctor speaking, yeah. and Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane Smith, both of them have an extra level yeah. of just... Oh, oh you were oh amazing. Gone. You've gone, yeah. you were, uh, he was so amazing. Um, we will do. We should do a God. John Hurt special, but anyway. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna do a horror uh, fighting fantasy because I should say I didn't mention this. Uh, will used to be uh, the chairman of uh, uh, the BBFFFC. <laughs> I think it was the well, Bernard yeah. Bresnell Fighting Fantasy <laughs> Fan Club. I forgot. Uh, yes. And so anyone here who would like to join, Krull, hopefully, Slayer, will has yes. time to start it again. The Bernard Bresnell Fighting Fantasy I've Fan still Club. Still got that. Some, some of these things. Krull, of course, I think well. I wrote like minute, fa- minutes. For, it was a it was a joke society that I invented for Robin, but I and I but I did write minutes. For a meeting he didn't of just rules invent or something. It for me. He invents it for him. But anyway, the, these things. It's like my uh, North Sea hijack uh, uh, dinner. where I had a whole menu for the. Uh, it's all on, uh, which was North Sea chicken in a hijack sauce, for for review. By the way, if people don't, I don't know, know North Sea hijack, which was known in America for some reason as folks, which is the name of Roger Moore's character, and he gets paid in whiskey and kittens. Yeah, and not Roger Moore, the character. But Roger Moore is a misogynist, a bearded misogynist, action man who also knits. Oh, I'm back in. Yeah, he, he, he's, a, he's a knitting beard. Cancels it out, isn't it? That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah but what I was going to say was all these these things that I did, they're now on such old formats of Word because it's like nearly over 20 years ago now. I can't access the yeah. documents. It's, like the first, it's a sad loss. The, the first stories I ever wrote, yeah, I you put can't... them on floppy disks yes. and I thought, that's me securing Forever. against fate. <laughs> there's nothing, no machines that you can put it in. Yeah. So, and also you think this disc can have three megabytes <laughs> or whatever. This is an absolute revelation. I'll tell you the thing I love for that is, I, um, if you, you probably haven't read um, uh, The um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but um, he really fetishises the kind of the, the, the computer software in it and the hardware, but, it's, it's, but it just comes across funny now because you'll get like some state-of-the-art MacBook, but it'll talk about how light it is and the speed of it. And it's just so archaic. It just sounds like so not state-of-the-art. She sat down and waited for only 10 minutes. Yeah, with a track wheel span. <laughs> that's, uh, that's... Oh, God, yeah. You remember that you had a little ball? You remember those? Yeah, it's all stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Will Smith, yes. uh, the man who wrote the whole of the sequel of Paddington. And no, I, d- wrote I just some did some of the, wrote, helped, anyway. helped out write some of the jokes of Paddington. Uh, and uh, <laughs> okay, author well, of the novel Maylander. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for joining our inaugural uh, Josie and Robin's Film Shambles. Um, now, on Patreon... If you are one of our Patreon subscribers, you'll be able to access extended episodes. You'll be able to put yourself in the running for a box of books. A prize, which is a box of books, is a tongue twister. You can put yourself in the running for that. And the odds are actually very good. Yeah. Because we give one away all the time. At least least every episode we give one away. Not everyone gets in contact. No. Uh, So it's going to roll over. 
And if you look on Twitter, normally we retweet who's received. The, the guy who got the last box of books got loads of stuff. For some reason, I was getting rid of some of my collectible marks books. Uh, nice. Carl, not Howard. And uh, <laughs> as well as Freud, Great Gatsby. Quite often there's a Kurt Vonnegut, because when I rifle through my bookshelves, I go, why have I bought Sirens of Titan 17 times? Oh, because one that had a picture on the dog on the front, and I think that's actually the nicest one. Yes, it's a lovely that. edition, so I'll keep the good edition. I'll get rid of... Uh, yes, that's like me with uh, Nye Bevan's In Place of Fear. How many times have you bought that? Can't help myself. Um, There's also bonus episodes, but at the same time, please don't feel obliged to support us on Patreon. You know, there's lots of free content. Also, if you do support us on Patreon, don't worry that it's going to rack up to lots of money because there's going to be free content for you as well. And yeah, it works out very reasonably priced. And it's going to be a maximum of, of three episodes that you would pay for per month. Generally, now we're going to be fortnightly, but... We're going to have still uh, shows popping up in between as well, which will all be free whether you're a Patreon supporter or not. It's much cheaper than BT Sport. And remember, tickets are on sale now for our live episodes we're recording next year as part of the Festival of Science at the Royal Albert Hall. So that will be Robin and Josie plus uh, one guest for an hour, two two shows recorded per night for one ticket price. So go to the Cosmic Shambles website or the Royal Albert Hall website and you will be able to find out about that and get tickets for that. And a final plug, you might be interested in a new podcast that we've put up on the Cosmic Shambles network this last couple of weeks. It is called Robin and Brian's Loungecast and it is Robin Ince and Professor Brian Cox chatting about physics and plane spotting and various other things, sandwiches, fruit, toast, uh, in various airport lounges as they are on their Australian and New Zealand tour at the moment. So cosmicshambles.com slash loungecast and you can check that out. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. 